0: the following podcast is brought to you by astro panda productions for more
1: information or to find other great shows visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the astro panda productions page on blogtalkradio.com You want to get this dumpster fire started? Let's get this dumpster fire started. Fuck yeah. Hello, Jordan.
0: Hello, Aaron.
1: How are you today?
0: I am so tired. Yeah. It's been a day, it's been a Monday. Was it
1: Murder Monday? Day? Murder Monday. Not Murder Mystery Monday. Just straight up Murder Monday.
0: It's a good thing that I have a conscience and ethics and morals. Otherwise, you would have seen me on the 11 o'clock news for strangling my coworker. Yeah. I mean, straight up, both hands around the neck, quit smacking your fucking candy kind of murder.
1: <laughs> I want to kill people in the office on a daily basis.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, what movie are we talking about today, Jordan?
0: Well, we did say it was going to be a surprise, and it was kind of a surprise. It just kind of came out of nowhere, but um, we are going to be talking about The Prestige.
1: It's a great movie. It's Christopher Nolan joint.
0: Dare I say it is a perfect movie. Yes. You dare say you do. I I dare say, and I think it's true. It's a perfect movie.
1: It is a perfect movie.
0: Yeah, this is a uh, Christopher Nolan film.
1: Christopher and his brother, Jonathan, wrote it together.
0: Yeah. He had done Following, which is like his first kind of indie film. Have you seen that movie? No. It's definitely not normal Christopher Nolan. It's Christopher Nolan without all the funding. And then we went to Memento, which is, holy crap, how do you write something like that? I, it took me a couple watches to be like, oh, okay, I get this now. It's kind of one of those things where you have to pay attention. It's not just something you play in the background and then jump in at any time and you know what's happening. It's very...
1: You got to keep up. Yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's a very, like, out there kind of brain film. I mean, almost almost to the degree of Inception, but not quite so ethereal thinking, I feel like.
1: Yeah. Have so. you ever seen Insomnia?
0: I have seen Insomnia. It's a good flick. It is really good. It's cool to me how he can jump between genres. You know, you go, you go to um, this kind of movie, which you could, you could kind of classify as a thriller. Yeah. Um, and then you go to something like Insomnia, which is a crime drama. I mean, there's nothing supernatural. There's no magic. There's It's very like simply shot, except that you're dealing with this guy having hallucinations because of lack of sleep. And then you jump to something like Batman, which is a comic book superhero movie, which he did very well. I wasn't a huge fan of the third one, but obviously The Dark Knight is probably the best superhero movie yes, ever made. Absolutely. Hands down. And then you go to something like Inception, which is also it's a psychological thriller. You know, you yeah. that's another one of those like I said with Memento, you have to pay attention to what's going on otherwise you're going to be like I'm lost and I I don't I'm not interested anymore because I don't know what's going on type thing. Right. Um and then you go to something like Interstellar, which
1: Love that movie.
0: I didn't care for it. And not to say that it was a bad movie because it was very well done in so many different aspects, but I just walked out of there feeling a little underwhelmed but maybe Interstellar
1: is my favorite Nolan film
0: maybe because it has to do with time travel there are a lot of directors that have attempted to do it and they don't do it well or they jump the shark super far to the point where you're like wait what that was a huge plot hole that you just anyway Um, so I, I think I just need to watch it again and maybe I will be convinced of its amazingness
1: i mean you should definitely suspend your disbelief when watching interstellar well of course if you're one of those people who can't stand a plot hole then maybe it's (laughs) not for you but it's still a really good movie yeah i I mean it, it succeeds in what it wants to do as far as the time travel thing goes it takes a real trippy approach to it yeah it's it's cool it looks great it looks amazing
0: it does it is very beautiful i mean
1: all the acting is fucking great yeah Uh, I mean it's yeah it's a quality movie yeah and then you go to TARS best movie robot TARS I'm calling it right now big fucking block but it had the coolest like robot to human exchanges that I've ever seen in a sci-fi movie oh yeah okay TARS is my favorite movie robot for sure
0: um and then you go
1: to something like Dunkirk which is a historical drama I haven't seen Dunkirk it lost all the Oscars I know poor Dunkirk I thought it was gonna get everything (laughs) But no. Oh, I didn't. I was thinking that Guillermo del Toro was going to get fucked. And you were like, nope. Nope. Del Toro took it all. I'm very happy about that.
0: Me too. Me too. I am kind of sad about Dunkirk only because I feel like Christopher Nolan needs to win a Best Picture very soon. And I think he just hasn't landed on it yet. I think that there's just...
1: If if this film didn't get him Best Picture, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know, though, because
0: every time that you think he's topping himself, he comes up with another idea that just blows you away. That's true. And what I've heard about Dunkirk is that it's very historically accurate. The cinematography is amazing. The acting is amazing. And it's very visceral as far as, you know, showing what happened in that battle. The problem that I have with war movies is that they always depress me, and right. I I end up like crying through most of the movie, and then when I get done, I have a headache, and I'm like, oh man, there's too many emotions happening. I so. don't like
1: war movies at all. I don't watch them. Yeah, it's, they they it's just aren't my cup of tea. So I yeah. probably won't ever see Dunkirk.
0: Yeah, it's it's again, it's one of those movies where somebody has to be like, hey, I have Dunkirk. Do you want to watch it? Yeah, sure. Like yeah. I'm not gonna just go out and buy it just because it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Back to the Christopher Nolan movie that we're actually supposed to be talking about, which is the, the, Prestige. the Prestige. This is another one of those movies that I can watch and it always gives me chills. I mean, there are parts of it that still give me chills or parts of it that I'm just like in awe of over, um, whether it was the sound editing or the cinematography. He does this amazing magic trick for you, which is what this movie is about. Yeah. It's about movies.
1: It's a, it's kind of about what filmmaking can do. Yes. They're yeah. presenting you a trick in the form of a film. Yes. It's very meta.
0: I saw this movie in the theaters, and when I came out of there, I was like, holy crap. Yeah. He just tricked the hell out of me, and I didn't see it coming. Like, in no point did I go, oh, okay, I know what's happening here. Because in a lot of movies, you can see when they're – revealing the the twist at the end. Right. Like Shutter Island. Have you seen yes. Shutter Island? Okay. So you see what's going on about halfway through the movie. And I think there's a part of me that wants to believe that Scorsese does that on purpose because he doesn't want to lie to you, but at the same time I feel like he's trying to have this like big plot twist to make you go, "Oh my god, that oh." oh. So, but you see it so soon that by the time you get to the end of the movie, you're like, okay, like, I know what's, I know what's going on now. And I'm, you know, I mean, I love Shutter Island. It's a great movie, but it's not one of those that I'm just like.
1: It's not a great thinker movie. Yeah, it's,
0: it's no sixth sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's no The Village.
0: I I have a lot of thoughts about that, but.
1: I wouldn't mind doing a Shyamalan episode. I like his films.
0: I do too. I do too. And it makes me sad that so, like. I mean, he's had some real stinkers. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, he's oh, had yeah. some real. Uh,
1: well, you know, yeah. I like shitty movies. So Shyamalan yeah. scratches that itch for me. Like <laughs> The Happening is a truly shitty movie.
0: I actually really liked it.
1: I like it too. But don't act like it's not a shitty movie, Jordan. <laughs> it's, I'm in denial. It's like it's almost like Birdemic level bad filmmaking. Like what? Bird, oh, you haven't seen Birdemic.
0: I have not.
1: I'll show it to you. Someday. Okay. You'll love it. It's great.
0: <laughs> Maybe I need to be a little drunk to watch it. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's the trick with all shitty movies. Just be drunk. <laughs> all movies in general, really.
0: Um. Okay. So this movie came out in 2006. I can't believe it's that old. I know.
1: It's, it's crazy. It's isn't weird. It?
0: That's the cool thing that I like about Christopher Nolan's movies is that you can always count on it to be pretty. And you can count on him to have amazing actors in yeah. his movies. Yeah. Um, because every single w- person in this movie is top notch. Yes. There is not a weak performance anywhere. And that always impresses me about the people he chooses because even the people who don't have big parts are phenomenal. I mean, yeah. like, and he really makes them shine. I mean, those people that are just in there for maybe a couple minutes, like, their parts are just important and essential to the plot like they're not just filler and and i appreciate that as an actress because a lot of times people will have extras or background or featured extras as just like they're they're like lettuce they're just filler they're not really important but we just need them so the scene doesn't look naked but for christopher nolan films i feel like every single person he puts in his movie he's gonna use them to further his plot you know yeah um so you know you've got Christian Bale. Um you've got Hugh Jackman, Scarlett Johansson, Michael Caine. Um Andy Circus. Andy fucking Circus. Yeah. God, I love him. I love him so much. He's really good. Much.
1: He's he is getting just bigger all the time now too. I know.
0: I would say that he's probably a pioneer when it comes to motion capture. Yeah. Because sure. we know him as playing Gollum. Right. But he's also done it for several video games. Star Wars. Yeah, like he's got to have this repertoire of knowledge that you just I just want to tap into and, and find out. Because not only is he very talented with motion capture, he's great with voice acting. And just him by himself, he's a great
1: actor. Yeah.
0: More recently, I saw him in Black Panther. And like, I just wanted to keep watching him. Like the movie was good, but he was just, I don't know. There's just something magical that happens when Andy Serkis comes on the screen.
1: I agree. It's not anything you can really put your finger on. He's just good. Yeah. He's got a good presence.
0: Yeah. I mean, he looks like he would, like, steal your wallet and run into a dark alley. <laughs> he kind but... of
1: does, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: but, you know, he's just so cool at the same time. And you're like, oh, man, I love you.
1: So so Andy Circus isn't going to make it on the bingo tile this time. No. Do we have a celebrity bingo nominee I... in this movie? I don't
0: think so. I... You're
1: not a Hugh Jackman kind of gal?
0: Hugh Jackman? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Nikki,
1: my wife said a Hugh Jackman kind of gal.
0: I I like watching him. I think he is a severely underrated actor. Yes. Oh yes. Um, he is an amazing performer. Whether he's singing, dancing, acting, whatever yeah. he does, he's, he's phenomenal. Funny. He yeah he's yeah, yeah he's he uh, can do it all. Multi layered when mm-hmm. it comes to his performing. Um, but I just he he's not somebody that I want to put on my bingo chart. Yeah. And I don't
1: think Christian Bale really gets on anyone's bingo chart. He's just too weird, isn't he?
0: He comes off as being this really intense person, and he just makes me nervous. Like, I love watching him. There's not really a word to describe Christian Bale as far as his acting skills, because nobody is on his level ever. Right, that's true. When he comes on screen... Every, like, everybody else is just overshadowed. That's just how it is. It's the same with, like, somebody like Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. He walks onto screen and nobody else matters because he opens his mouth and magic comes out. The, um,
1: Christian Bale just comes off to me as, like, an acting robot. Like, if you could program a robot to act, it would be Christian Bale. I mean, he can do it very competently, but you wonder if there's actually a person underneath. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, and in, in you... I'm sure that there is because there were there oh, were yeah, all those rumors circulating is. around about how he's abusive and, you know, very violent and aggressive. Well, well he's which...
1: gone apeshit on the set. We've heard audio of him <laughs> flipping the fuck out on some poor light tech.
0: God, I probably would piss myself. It's one of those things where you have this illusion of the people that you look up to. And I look up to him as an actor, somebody that you admire for their amazing work that they've done. So you have this illusion of this person. And then when you hear that audio, it's like the veil just gets ripped away. And you're like, oh, my God, he is nuts.
1: Yeah, it's good to know he's human. Yeah, that's that's honestly how I feel about it, because I imagine that he's got a normal personal life. But we'll never know because he's never going to show that to us.
0: Oh, no. I feel like this role was perfect for him because he puts on this illusion for people when he's out in public. We don't know what he's like behind closed doors right like he's not really in tabloids anymore you don't hear about him having outbursts anymore like that's not a thing so i feel like this was just a perfect example of of christian bale being christian bale yeah he got a
1: (laughs) chance to be himself yeah yeah that's kind of how i feel about mickey rourke on the wrestler oh yeah you know, it's just kind of like this is this guy's real demeanor on screen yeah but i don't know we could be wrong yeah he sure is an intense guy in this movie.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and then you've got Scarlett Johansson. Okay. I love Scarlett Johansson. I think she's great. I think she's beautiful, but I, I hate her accent in this movie. I hate it. I'm sure she had somebody helping her with that accent to make it sound as authentic as possible, but there are several places where she dropped it. I feel like they would have, it would have had the same effect if she had just had her regular accent. I mean, she's an American woman living in England, which was not that uncommon. I mean, in the movie, uh, Angier is portraying himself in big fucking quotes, portraying himself as being an American. So it wouldn't be totally out of place. So I don't know why they decided to go with her having an accent because I really hated it. (laughs) Maybe that's just me. I don't.
1: I didn't think it was too bad. I, I do know at least one point where she dropped her accent yeah. a little bit, but I didn't think it was terrible.
0: And I mean, uh, props to her, though, because you're working with a bunch of either English or Australian people who hear that all the time. So props to her for doing it and getting away with it. And
1: I think it was totally passable.
0: Yeah, but, you know, I'm... Like I said, I, I nitpick. I'm the nitpicker here. And so I have to look at things and go, hmm.
1: Well, I mean, I nitpick movies too. I, I love picking out shitty accents. <laughs> I don't think hers was the worst I've heard.
0: Um, There's another actress that I want to talk about. And that's Rebecca Hall. Yeah. She is fantastic. She's she's one of those people where I would feel intimidated working next to her because she's so genuine in all of her reactions. Like the, yeah. He doesn't, And it just seems like it just flows out of her so naturally. Um, I saw a movie with her and it called The Awakening. And it is a scary movie. And it was actually very genuinely scary. Um, and she was the lead female and she was great. She was... That's kind of where I fell in love with her. Because I saw her in The Prestige and I was like, oh, cool. And then I saw her in The Awakening and I was like, oh, you're amazing. And she's starting to be in more and more stuff. And then you've got the amazing Michael Kane
1: Michael Kane
0: <laughs> don't you bloody move one <laughs>
1: more there's three parts to every trick <laughs> sir Michael Caine sir that's right.
0: Michael Kane I'm so sorry
1: yeah and sir Christian Bale no I'm pretty sure he hasn't been knighted oh
0: my god <laughs> I wonder, I just want to be there for that ceremony and just see how incredibly uncomfortable and intense everyone is.
1: Michael Cade was knighted, I believe, with his real name, Sir Maurice Micklewhite. (laughs) I don't know if that's his real name. I guess it is, right? That's I mean, if you're going to be knighted, you're going to be knighted with your real name, right? Well,
0: yeah. Anyway, so we have David Bowie playing Nikola Tesla.
1: This casting decision is what made me watch this movie.
0: I was a little unsure, not because of his of his acting chops, because David Bowie was a great actor, Yes, um, but him playing Nikola Tesla, I was a little bit like, I don't know how I feel about this, but he...
1: He nailed it. He did nail it. He nailed it. He did a great job. The accent was perfect. The His mannerisms were great. The mustache can't beat it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like the Goblin King got a haircut, right. studied some science... And then did this movie.
1: (laughs) Yep, pretty much. It's just like that. You know, David Bowie spent three years of his life living in a room, pissing in jars, drinking nothing but milk and eating nothing but jalapenos. That is
0: not David Bowie. doing
1: cocaine. Yeah. (laughs) Nuh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. You're lying. I could... could, No, I'm not. I could do a whole David Bowie episode. You know what? Fuck this movie. Let's talk about Bowie. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm not prepared to talk about Bowie, but we'll we'll come back to him cuz he will forever be in our hearts. That's true. This this movie, I mean, we talked about how it's about movies and film, you know, directors presenting something to to the audience and trying to fool them or trying to give them something so they can see their reaction. The movie is actually based at the end of the 19th century and these two magicians who are they're kind of yin and yang. One is very much a showman, That's which is Hugh Jackman's character, Robert Angier. Right. Um, he's very much a showman. He can present himself and sell himself. Um, and then you've got Alfred Borden, who is Christian Bale's character. And he is what Cutter called him is a natural ma- magician. But he's not very good at presenting himself.
1: It's kind of bland.
0: Yes, and so they kind of they kind of complement each other, but at the same time, they're very much at odds.
1: They're competitive.
0: They're yeah they're they're competitive, and as the story goes along, you kind of see how far that competition takes them. I mean, I've never I, I'm competitive at times, but damn,
1: this movie is about two incredibly stubborn egomaniacs. Yes, going to insane ends to one-up each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is at a time when people going to magic shows was not something that you'd saw in Las Vegas. Like, I don't, I don't know so much about it in America, but in Europe, magic shows were a big deal. I mean, they had sold out shows, and I mean, stuff that you just never saw before. Um, and so for them, it wasn't just about being the better magician. It was about being the best in England. The most sought after, the most sold out shows type of magician. He switches back and forth between timelines. Right. Well, he goes actually between. It's not
1: told in a linear No, way. And, and
0: he does it actually between like three different timelines. Yes. But he does it in such a understandable way that when you're jumping back and forth, you're not confused. Right. Because or each progression in the story is telling different parts of the story and you're starting to see everything unfold right in a really really well done way. So this movie was nominated for several awards.
1: All the awards.
0: But let me tell you, this was a crazy good year for movies. Um The Departed came out that year, yep. The Queen, Little Miss Sunshine, um The Last King of Scotland, like there were just so many great movies that came out and they just completely ran over
1: the prestige prestige. was it the last king of scotland that got best picture that year no it was 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 departed Departed? yeah the departed because i i think i remember i I liked them both and i was like i I want them both to win that year
0: yeah well um forrest whitaker got best actor yeah that year you know that's right one more one more oscar that got taken away from leo
1: yeah god damn (laughs) it
0: but it's funny because this was also the year for people to make movies about magicians because The Illusionist came out this year with Ed Norton.
1: Yeah, that's right. They came out almost this exact same time.
0: I mean, and Chris Nolan wasn't actually very well known at this time. Like he was, He was kind of known for Memento, but he yeah. didn't have the caliber that he does now. I feel like the movie has one of the best introductions that I've ever seen. It's it's chilling because you don't there's no really like preface to what's happening all you see is you're in the woods and you see a bunch of top hats and cats running around and then you hear Christian Bale's voice saying are you watching closely and like that just automatically like prepares you for something amazing I feel like I mean I'm getting chills just thinking about it like
1: it's I I remember when I first saw this movie, he said, are you watching closely? And I'm like, oh, well, I fucking am now. Yeah. You know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, very much draw you in from the very, like, first two minutes. Which is rare for movies nowadays. I feel like it takes a little bit of build up to get to, like, the point where you're like, oh, okay, I'm really thoroughly enjoying this. Not
1: this movie. It started off hot, and the, the way it was paced, I mean, there wasn't a dull moment in it. Yeah. There really wasn't.
0: So, then we see Batman. I mean, Alfred. I mean, Borden. So, he is in jail for allegedly killing Robert Angier. uh, Again, Hugh Jackman's character. Um, And we see this trial going on that he somehow managed to put a tank of water under the stage. And when Robert Angier's trick was finished, he just watched him drown. Which... For all intents and purposes, kind of looks like that. But you don't really know the premise for why he would be doing that. And you, again, it just everything hooks you in, like one little bit at a time. You also see or you also hear Cutter, which is uh, Michael Caine's character, explaining um, how a magic trick works
1: the anatomy of a trick.
0: You've got the pledge, which is basically showing somebody, showing them the ordinary, something that you would see every single day. And then you've got the turn, which is taking the ordinary and making something fantastic happen to it, like something disappearing or something changing. Um, and then you've got the prestige, basically the end of the trick, but it's it's something magnificent. It's something that you weren't expecting.
1: Do do that over with the Michael Caine accent.
0: <laughs> this is all setting you up to make you feel like for me, anyway, when you're watching this and he's explaining the how a magic trick works at the beginning, your mind is already prepped to watch something amazing happen. You don't know what yet. You don't know what's going to happen or how it's going to unfold, but you just know that it's going to be something that you've never seen before. So it starts out with Alfred Borden sitting in a cell and he's reading Robert Angier's journal. And this is the point where it jumps timelines and we see Robert and G are going to Colorado to try and get a machine to make the greatest magic trick ever. And like it just jumps back and forth and and but in a way that's not like I said before let that it that's not confusing and it's not giving you whiplash at the same time. Anyway, so you are just really starting to see these the relationships between the characters come to life. You see how Borden and Angier they're used as plants in the audience for a premier magician to use, and and they get access to backstage, and they are trying to work their way up to get their own acts. Basically, is what's happening. Right. Um, learning the trade, learning about different tricks, and and just trying to make a name for themselves. It's it's kind of would be the equivalent of being an extra on a movie. Right. You know, or being a, a PA or being a assistant that works in a studio office. Something like that to where you are slowly learning the trade to where maybe you could do it yourself. Okay, so basically Michael Caine's character Cutter, um, he plays a guy who he invents magic tricks. He invents the uh, mechanics that go into an illusion. He's the guy that you go to when you need props built or you need big sets built. He helps you make those illusions come to life. Then we discover kind of where the rivalry between Borden and Angier comes from. There is a night where they're doing a magic trick. Angier's wife, Julia. um, She is the magician's assistant. And they do this trick every night where they basically tie her wrist and then they drop her into this huge tank of water, which is terrifying to me because it instantly makes me
1: claustrophobic. They couldn't have picked a better trick to get under my skin in this scene.
0: So wait, let me, like, how does she get out of there so quick? Like, I know that there's like a trick key through the little slot thing, but how does she get out of the tank super quickly? because here's the thing is even if she's got a trick key through the little hole she still has to climb out of that tank through the top yeah and you know you're gonna see the curtain moving around you're gonna hear water splashing unless she's like a blob creature that can just move anywhere she wants to and like while they're doing the trick um, Cutter's off stage and he's got an axe ready to go out there and break the box in case she doesn't get out you know in case she can't or she drowns or whatever. And I'm sitting there going, how does he know when she's out? Right. I mean, how does, is there, does she like peek her head out and go, hey, I'm okay. Or peekaboo. Like, how does he know that she's, I mean, if I were an audience member and I was watching this, you know, water escape, to me, it would seem like they were cheating me because yeah, she. it's only a minute, but a lot of stuff can happen in 60 seconds.
1: It would be way more impressive if I got to actually watch her slip those knots. Right. You know what I mean?
0: Like a Houdini type thing. Because Houdini yeah. was very like, watch me get out of this straitjacket in under 30 seconds. Right.
1: Like, the escape was the trick. Right. But in this, it seems like they're trying to mix an escape act with a disappearing act. But the more interesting part is the escape and they don't show it.
0: Yeah. So, I, it's it's kind of silly. It's very strange. Um, so uh,
1: Obviously, the industry is in need of some sprucing up.
0: Well, right, and that's what that's what Borden says, is that he's boring, he's predictable, you know, everybody knows what his tricks are. We need something that's, you know, crazy and nobody's ever seen before, and, and like a bullet catch. And you're, this right. famed bullet catch, which also seems real stupid. Like, I mean, I, I guess I get the, like, thrill of it, but at the same time, I'm going,
1: ah. A lot of magicians have been killed doing the bullet catch yeah cause, a shitload
0: well because they were saying you know somebody could put a button or a penny yeah. or an actual bullet in the gun when yep. they go to shoot some it. smart
1: ass thinks it's funny yeah we'll see how magic you are now and he dies
0: yeah no i
1: <laughs> what kind of an asshole is doing that i
0: don't know it, I... but victorian i mean
1: victorian people were such assholes man fuck them <laughs>
0: anyway so there's a night where they're doing the trick and Borden decides that he's gonna do what he calls a Langfoot double um, <laughs> which okay, Lang
1: for doubles too toy <laughs>
0: which is uh apparently a tighter knot and you know he can tie it better and it looks better whatever um but the worry is is that she won't be able to slip it underwater because the the rope will swell right and she can't get it off. Which is what happens. Um, He does the Langford double. She can't get out of her her ropes to get the key. Because I think that's part of it is that she slips the ropes. She gets the key. She opens it. And then she somehow wiggles her way out without making any noise or splashing or whatever. She can't do it. And the minute has passed and Cutter runs on stage. He pulls the curtain down and you can see that she is still in the tank and she's drowning. And... That, to me, is one of the more heartbreaking scenes is just watching her drown in front of a sellout crowd. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, my God. I, and he keeps trying to break the glass and it's not breaking. The whole illusion has gone now because now we know that Borden and Angier were plants because he obviously right. knows her. And you watch her die on stage and it's just.
1: Yeah, it's just very it's, jarring. It's a rough. It's a rough scene for sure. Yeah, and this is what starts the bitterest of rivalries. Yeah, between um, Borden and Angier.
0: Was, was CPR not a thing back then?
1: They didn't try it
0: because I'm sitting there going, like, push on her chest, yeah. like breathe some air into her. She would, li- she'll be okay. Yeah,
1: she totally could have been saved.
0: <laughs> but I guess, I guess not. I guess we'll have to look up when CPR was actually invented. Because
1: yeah, well, either way, they didn't my, do it.
0: My modern mind is going just you know few little pushes on the chest get the water out she'll be all right
1: yeah so no no such luck
0: no no so yeah she she dies and this is where things start to get a little weird because you see them at the funeral and alfred comes to the funeral and angier asks him what not he tied and he says i don't know i i've thought about it and i don't know And that's when you kind of you either think that Alfred is crazy or you think that he's got a split personality somehow because how could you not know? Which is what Angier is like that's the answer he wants is how could you not know what knot you tied? Well, because here's the thing and I'll go ahead and spoil it because I'm not a magician and I will tell you the trick of the movie. Alfred Borden has a twin. Right. He has a twin. Which is how he's able to do his transported man trick, which drives Robert Angier up the fucking wall because he yeah. can't figure it out. Um,
1: it's always uh, double.
0: If it wasn't Alfred, it would have been Fallon. So why yeah. wouldn't he have said, oh, dude, I did the leg. Laying- right. I did the leg for double and she died. Like, what?
1: Alfred is running around with his twin brother dressed as Fallon the whole time. Why
0: would you even go to the funeral at all? Everyone yeah. hates you. Right. Everyone knows that you tied the dang knot. Yeah. Or you did Everyone something. Everyone blames
1: him. Yeah. Because he tied the knot. He couldn't slip it. It's his fault regardless of how you slice it, right? True. I mean, it might not necessarily be his fault, but he's certainly going to catch the shit for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a recurring theme throughout the movie: is that you're sitting there going, "Why didn't he tell him what knot he po- tied? Or why right. don't they know?"
1: Well, through this whole movie, you're you're basically watching Alfred Borden destroy his life because he's yes. two people. Why did they have to switch places all the time?
0: Why didn't each brother just stay with their prospective spouses or lovers? Right. You know, they but they had to switch places, and and maybe it was just his dedication to the trick. Like, he was obsessed with his whole life being the trick. You know, we see them talking. And, and
1: that's the answer, isn't it? It's, it's, it's obsession. That's what this movie's about.
0: You kind of get a glimpse of that when they go see the Chinese magician at the theater. They're talking to each other and he's saying, no, the fact that he's acting like an old cripple, that's the trick. Right. He does this every time he goes out. Nobody's ever seen him any other way. And I think that that's kind of an idea that just stuck in in Alfred's head and that he just had to stick to that. But in the midst of him being so dedicated to his art, people died. Yeah, I mean, it's not just people got hurt or their feelings were hurt or whatever. No, you destroyed people's lives. And we're talking about his wife because Alfred meets a woman that he falls in love with and you know the relationship is doomed from the very beginning there's that scene where she takes her nephew to see the the magic show and then afterwards they go to lunch and he takes her home and she's like he's like i would really like a cup of tea which you're you're <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> like you don't even ask her you're just like yeah i like a cup of tea like no dude i and she very kindly is like no i can't my landlord would be upset blah 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 so she goes in her house, and there he is. Yeah, like he's, cream and sugar,
1: which means that his twin brother broke into her house as they were approaching. It's
0: not okay for for
1: the sole purpose of just impressing this girl.
0: Yeah, God, that's just so uh, stalker <laughs> material. Because if it had been me, if a guy that I was very politely like, no, uh, you know, no, thank you, I gotta go, blah blah blah, and then I, he showed up in my apartment, I'd be like, get the fuck out right now.
1: He's not very charismatic, not even a little bit.
0: No. But we kind of hear that he very likely came from a poor family. Right. And probably as an orphan, yes. too. No family, no real source of anything, income or otherwise, to make him important. Whereas Robert Angier comes from a very rich family. He wants for nothing. So...
1: He's He actually, his parents are... Uh, ashamed of him being so interested in magic. They want him to be a socialite. He doesn't have to do any of this.
0: Right, exactly. But he does it because he's passionate about it. But for Borden, this is it.
1: Yeah, this is how he's survived.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no telling how many pockets he's picked and how many things he's stolen to get where he needs to be. And so the desperation comes from always having to prove himself to every single person around him, even the person that he loved the people that he cared about he constantly had to prove himself and make sure that they were trustworthy and there was nothing that was just simple for him
1: and of course it wasn't simple for him because he was two people this guy had to keep (laughs) in order for this thing to work both of these guys had to be relatively happy with the situation
0: but they weren't, though. Well, I mean,
1: they were in agreement enough to keep it going, which has to be fucking difficult.
0: And the sad thing is, is that his wife knew the whole time that something was off. Yeah. She never just blindly loved him because there would be times when he was very genuinely in love with her. And then there were times when she knew that it wasn't the same guy.
1: Well, she even told him at some point in the movie, she said, I know what you are.
0: And maybe maybe Christopher Nolan did it on purpose to make us question, you know, why did they do it like that? What? And, I, and again, I think it just goes back to the fact that he's just so dedicated to the trick that he doesn't care whose life he ruins in right. the process. And then at this point, time has kind of moved on and they both... <laughs> They're both going back and forth and, like, sabotaging each other's... Yeah, they're just
1: taking pot shots at each other's tricks.
0: But some of them are horrible. Like, Angier shoots off Borden's fingers at a show.
1: Borden goes and and breaks his fucking legs.
0: Oh, my God. Before that, he crushes this cage that holds a dove, and he, like, crushes a woman's fingers in it. The battle of the magicians begins!
1: Yeah, so they're just being absolute shitbags to each other.
0: So then we're introduced to Allie, who is Tesla's assistant. But then we also start to see what Tesla is doing in Colorado. And that scene with the light bulbs in the field always gives me goosebumps. Yeah. It is just so... Fucking cool.
1: Yeah. It's just a trip. I mean... Just thinking about these two guys out in the woods in Colorado, up in the mountains, just doing crazy shit. Yeah. For fun.
0: Yeah. And they make a big deal about talking about how the whole town has electricity. I mean, electricity was a thing, and people having electricity was a thing, but whole towns having it was not a thing.
1: Right. Because they couldn't transfer power long distances because they had not yet come up with alternating current.
0: Right. Right but Tesla had. Um, And so, you know, you kind of see this little subplot going on where Thomas Edison is this bully and he's got these goonies constantly trying
1: to yeah defame which is Tesla's the truth. Name. yes yeah
0: and you you always think of thomas edison as this little old man just sitting in his house discovering electricity
1: nope he was a he was a patent troll
0: <laughs> yes he was and nikola tesla was making amazing strides in the scientific world and thomas edison just could not have it would not
1: fuck you edison piece <laughs> of shit You've had it too good for too long.
0: So then, after we find out that apparently Thomas Edison is this fiend, we're introduced to Nikola Tesla, who has the most fabulous entrance. Yeah,
1: I mean, he he he's really walking does.
0: through fucking electricity. Like, how can you top that?
1: You I just can't. expected him to, like, pop up David Bowie as Nikola Tesla, <laughs> like, right there in some electrical fonts. Yeah. It was a rock star intro. It was great. Yeah. it's
0: David Bowie. I mean, come on.
1: Yep. He he was great. He was really great. Love David Bowie. He
0: was really great. Basically, Angier comes to Tesla asking him to build him a machine because he thinks that Tesla built the same kind of machine for Borden because he has still not grasped the idea that he could possibly be using a double or something.
1: Well, Borden basically baits him into it. It's in his yeah. journal. He He kind of leaves hints that he went out to Colorado to meet with this scientist and yeah. he, he he baits him to go down there basically yeah I mean it's, it's it's kind of brilliant
0: it really is Tesla very much is like okay I don't think you understand how much this is going to cost you and engineer's like oh I have all the money in the world I can do whatever I want and Tesla's like no but do you understand the cost right what this could do to you because I don't even know. What I'm building for you, it could kill you. It could cause cancer. It could, I mean, there's so many things that could happen. And the fact that he just keeps trying to dissuade Robert from building this machine. And you're like, ar, ar, I don't want to hear your nonsense. I don't want to hear your German nonsense. We just, just build me my machine. Okay. And, and Tesla's like, okay.
1: He's a man obsessed. He will not be deterred. Yeah. He's got to figure it out.
0: Yeah. So it kind of jumps the timeline. We see Borden doing his transported man trick and, and nobody's ever seen anything like it before. How does he do it? How does he do it? And so they end up finding the double who is basically just Hugh Jackman with buck teeth and is stinking drunk. Um, but he's great. Borden and Angier start to get more into the psychological sabotage of each other's tricks. They're, they've moved past shooting each other's fingers off and messing with their acts, more so going into espionage ways of doing it. Because right. at one point, Borden finds Root and basically convinces him to not let Angier control him. Yeah. You know, just have completely mess up the, the trick because somehow that makes his life less. Like, I don't know. Like
1: It's drunk logic. He used r- drunk logic on him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we also see Robert. Well, he kidnaps Fallon.
1: Yeah, and sticks buries him in a him.
0: in a coffin and buries him, which is
1: that's really fucked up. because yeah. it's it's his brother.
0: But again, it just goes to the psychological sabotage. Like they're they're going for something a little bit deeper than the physical. They're going for trying to break these people, make them quit being a magician. Which I'm convinced that if. One of them decided that they didn't want to be a magician anymore, that the other one would have nothing to do. I mean, this whole thing is about revenge. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: it is. It's about revenge. It's, it's a
0: huge revenge plot. It's
1: two people trying to spite each other till the day they die.
0: Yeah. It's what keeps them going because, right. you know, it's not enough to be famous. It's not enough to have a good trick. No, you have to have some kind of competition to make it that much more enticing i guess you know and gear sends olivia away to try and get borden's tricks and very quickly because that's the kind of person she is she falls in love with either alfred or fallon we don't know yet one of them one of them right. that is not in love with the wife this is where i think the writing is really brilliant because, I, like I said, I really liked Scarlett Johansson. I think she's a great actress. But he writes her almost to the point where you just despise her.
1: She's awful. She's awful. She's the worst.
0: Because she goes from one person to the other. She's very quick to sh- give her affection to the person who will give it back. Right. You know, um, she there's not really a whole lot of loyalty. I mean, I guess there is to Alfred slash Fallon, whoever it is. Um, she's more loyal to him than she is to robert
1: you know she is a problem in this movie she really is she's a plot device and she's way too obvious
0: there's a line that she says that always just bugs the ever-living shit out of me when she's like you know when you're with me you're with me leave your family at home where they belong with her awful british accent um (laughs) (laughs) um and i'm sitting there just going why would any human being say that right I was not attached to Olivia at all. No. I had zero cares about her. But uh, again, since we're talking about how, you know, this movie is about magicians and this is really one big magic trick that Christopher Nolan is doing. I think she's just she's there as misdirection, you yeah. know, um, sure. because in the end, there's no love interest at all. Everybody is pretty much gone except for Borden and Angier. Yeah. And it's just them by themselves. Um so I like I like I said I feel like it's just another step of misdirection that is meant to distract us from what's really happening.
1: Yeah. So, well, and also it gives us a lot of time to see Borden and how he's how his life is. Uh, couldn't have done that without her character, in right? There. And you know, I mean. He really is a tragic motherfucker. I mean, he really his is. life is just in shambles. There's nothing he can do about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is something they can do about it. They can figure out a better way to arrange their personal lives. I, I just feel like this is the most toxic twin relationship ever. It's horrible. Yeah. Because, I mean, honestly, it's, it's really hard for me to figure out who the bad guy is in this movie. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you almost feel sorry for uh christian bale at one point but then you when you realize that what's really going on it's really awful
0: yeah and the thing the thing that always gets me is that angier is obsessed with this rivalry between him and borden and he sees borden you know living his life and he's married he's got a child and they're buying a house and he just thinks that oh, he took everything away from me and he has everything now, so I have to strip him down. When in reality, Borden was so unhappy. There was nothing that satisfied him, not his own tricks, not his wife, not not even his child, I don't feel like. I mean, and that's because he was living half a life, you know? And you can't, there's no possible way that you could be happy doing something like that.
1: Yeah, and it's insane to me to even think that you would try. It's just such a cockamamie scheme, isn't it? (laughs) There's just no point in it. Yeah, but... Can't can't one of them just come out in the day and the other one gets a night job? You know? Yeah. Or something. Figure something better out.
0: Yeah. I don't know, though. I mean, it's it's kind of the same way that I think about method actors. Like, that's just so... Yeah,
1: that's what they're trying to portray, right? It's
0: so outlandish to me. I just can't even imagine. Of course, I've never been given a role where I have to be completely... I mean, this is who I am. This is my life for the next six months. I've never been in a situation like that. But even if I were to take that with you everywhere you went, I mean, to your, with your family and your friends, and what if you're playing, I mean, I again, I think about Heath Ledger playing the Joker. I mean, that that's just, there's got to be like a screw loose somewhere for you <laughs> just to be okay with being the Joker for six months. I mean- and maybe yeah. he wasn't. Maybe maybe that's essentially, I mean, that's kind of what broke him. Really, it was. But it's just.
1: So who do you think is weirder? Alfred Borden or Christian Bale?
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> I think they're one in the same. Yeah. I think they're one in the same. They're equally I c- weird. I, I, can't, I can't pick one. I
1: yeah. can't pick
0: one who's weirder. Because, um, again, I, I think it's just Christian Bale playing Christian Bale.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you may be right.
0: You know, and I thought it just was so funny to me how, you know, the most paranoid people are those that lie and cheat. Because Alfred Borden, in order for him to be okay with his mistress, he had to make sure that she was faithful and loyal, but he could stay unfaithful as much as he wanted to. Like,
1: Where do you even start to puzzle out the logic in that?
0: I don't know. I mean... Did they have a schedule? Because there had to be moments where they weren't doing magic tricks, they weren't working, they were just at home with their families or their well, yeah. mistress or whatever. So there obviously has to be a...
1: So is that where Borden came from? Did he just like... He, he and his brother, whomever that may be, were just chilling one day and they said, hey, we could do a magic trick, you and me. Why don't you dress up like some asshole and I'll be myself. And we'll go do this stupid trick where I'm the teleporting man. I mean, it's such an easy trick. I when you got a twin, there's just nothing to it. It's it's the it's hardly even a magic trick at that point, right? It's just we'll work our way up through the the ranks and shit. No. Just hop out and do the trick, right? (laughs) Why go through all the bullshit?
0: Okay, so I think that they had varying personalities because I think Fallon he loved Sarah he loved his family life he loved all of that that went with it Alfred was more not so inclined for the family life but they were both equally obsessed with their magic tricks and I think that's where they were able to convince each other to just go along with this logic of hey I'll be married and hey I'll have a mistress and we'll switch places every now and then like I like just thinking about it makes me like give me the hey like I just
1: I can't imagine how you would how you would work it out. Yeah, it's just so weird. And, and they did it for a long fucking time.
0: Golly. Um, anyway, so how did they
1: not end up killing each other at some point? They they were fucking each other's wife, right? I'm gonna say no. And that had to be weird. I'm gonna say no.
0: There's no way. How could Fallon, well, the, the brother who loves Sarah, be okay with Alfred? Having any kind of,
1: I I, but see what my I'm, mind is like what I'm saying in my is okay. Right so now. if we're call we're just gonna call the other one Fallon. I like that. That's yeah, great. let's do that. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, Fallon did it once at least, right? I mean, there had to have been one night where
0: here's the kicker, though. Oh,
1: but that's right because she said Fallon was looking through our window again the other night. At one point.
0: Oh yeah, Fal- Fallon was hanging around again.
1: That's right. So he was watching. He was standing Whoa. outside making sure that his brother didn't fuck his wife. <laughs> That's what he was
0: doing. So we we see Robert um, every now and then going up the mountain to see Tesla working on his machine. And at first they think it's not working because the hat never disappears. And it's it's very confusing. And then at one point they realize the machine is not making things disappear and move to a different place. It's creating doubles. It's creating a clone of the original.
1: Lots of hats and lots of cats.
0: Robert Angier, like, when he realizes that he just spent all this money for nothing, that Tesla did not create the machine that he thought it was going to be, he walks outside and he hears cats yowling and fighting. And he goes over to this little place in the woods and he sees all the hats, all of his hats that they've been doing experiments on. And I just had this thought of Robert Angier walking out with all the hats on his head.
1: <laughs> Stacked up. <Yeah. laughs> he needs to quit this magic shit and open yep. a fucking haberdashery. You know?
0: <laughs> you want my hat clone? I'll give you a hat clone. It goes into a whole other realm of ethics that go into that. Yeah. I mean, he realizes that they're making doubles um tesla is run out of town by edison i mean they they burn his lab to the ground and you know pitchforks and torches and
1: right curse
0: you tesla being smarter than me i don't i don't know why thomas edison has a english accent but <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed i'm not uh,
1: even gonna try do an edison impression I, I don't even know what he uh, would sound like you could hear him he was the first person to talk on the telephone they have it recorded
0: uh, i'm sure he talk. i'm sure he talks like that curse you Tesla for being smarter than me
1: that's the first thing recorded in history is Edison talking shit about Tesla
0: they start the phonograph and he's like fuck you Tesla that's great if I was Thomas Edison I probably would have done that just straight up vulgarness (laughs) just come out of my mouth
1: brutal electrical rap war
0: so Angier is, decides to test out the machine to see exactly what's going to happen. And in my mind, I'm going, why doesn't Angier just make a double of himself and then do the do trick? Do like, Yeah. Yeah. Then drive well, Borden crazy. Right. Thinking, well, does he have a twin or did he... What's happening? Like, <laughs> that's, like...
1: That's all he had to do.
0: Yeah. But no, he just kept making doubles of himself. Like,
1: why? He Yeah. So, like... Basically, he would kill himself every night, and he never knew when he went into the machine if it was going to be him that came out or the double. Yeah. Right? So he had no idea. It was like Russian roulette. He was either going to drown or he was going to live.
0: But what does it matter, though? Because it, it if doesn't... you're making an exact clone, you have all the memories, yeah. all the same thoughts. So whether you're the one drowning or whether... Well, I guess if, if you're the original standing on stage, you're going to drown.
1: I guess it doesn't really matter, because it's, you know, the same guy at the same time, so... Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. you're just fucked.
0: Well, and here's here's something... There's a thought that I had while I was watching this, and, you know, he says that it took courage getting into the ma- that machine every night, because I didn't know if I was gonna be the one in the box, or if I was gonna be the one coming out on the other side. Well, right. this whole thing, from the time that Angier's wife dies, is just an ultimate revenge play everything that has led up to him getting the machine and doing the new transported man where he's killing himself over and over um it's just all about Borden
1: he's killing himself which is multiple times to get at this guy just to piss him off really well yeah and eventually get him executed but
0: yes and and that's that to me I think is brilliant writing because it stopped being about the magic a long time ago. Like it wasn't about the trick. It wasn't about anything like that. And to think that this whole thing is about magicians and magic, you're fooling yourself. It is about the competition between these magicians and the length they will go to get revenge on one another. Yeah. And Robert Angier, he goes the limit. I mean,
1: the ultimate limit. Dude killed his wife.
0: If the ultimate goal was to get him in jail and then get him executed, why didn't you just kill him yourself? You're a magician. You could have covered it up. You could have made it look like Borden did it himself. Like, there's so many other alternatives. But all of these people had to be hurt and die in the midst of all of this. Yeah. Alfred's or Alfred Slash Fallon's wife hangs herself. Yeah. Because she realizes that she's married to two men.
1: Do you think she knows that it's a twin? I think so. You think she's puzzled that out?
0: I think so. Because her saying, I know what you are, I think that's her saying that I know that I am in the midst of this, like you said, cockamamie scheme where I'm married somehow to two men. And it's not even about Olivia. It's not about the fact that he's unfaithful because she... She feels insane at this point. Right.
1: And he's driving her crazy. Yes. And it's
0: sad to me because she was a beautiful, smart, lovely woman. And because he was so dedicated to his craft, he drove her to kill herself, which is the ultimate fuck you, by the way, because she hangs herself in her in his workshop, which is just like, yeah, damn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How do you fall in love with this guy in the first place?
0: She makes a mention of, you know, he says, I love you. And she's like, no, not today.
1: Well, I mean, you know,
0: you're you're more in love with your magic tricks than you are me. But maybe there were more times when it was Fallon than it was Alfred. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was enough to convince her to have a relationship and a marriage and a life with this guy.
1: Yeah. Just to think about all the things that are going on off screen in this situation is kind of its own reward for for this concept. I think it's cool. Yeah. Really cool Christopher Nolan thing.
0: It's a cautionary tale because we see what obsession gets you and it gets you nothing. You are sad and lonely and the people that you loved are gone and suddenly it doesn't matter anymore. And then things are kind of coming to a head at this point. We see Alfred going down. You know, he manages to get backstage during one of Angier's shows. And we see how he ends up in jail because Cutter finds him and thinks that he's the one that put him in the water tank.
1: Right. Uh, All of his stagehands were blind. So he would fall into this tank and die. And the assumption is that the blind guy doesn't know what's going on. Yep. And his job is to cover it up and take it to the old, the broken down theater across the street. Mm-hmm. And the, he's storing all of his corpses there. Oh, man. Right? So he's he? got this big corpse sanctuary thing going on why is he keeping the corpses the
0: corpse locker why why can't they get
1: rid of the bodies i
0: don't know i don't know that's that's one part of it that i don't understand is why he felt the need to keep the bodies maybe because there wasn't a way to dispose of them like
1: he just didn't have time he was too busy killing all these clones Uh, and see and, and that's the the shitty part about it all is that he never needed to do any of this I know there was no need I
0: know just make yourself just, one double and then outdo Borden and make Borden retire and you would have been a, a bajillionaire like
1: did he expect there's no way he expected Borden to come basically frame himself for his murder
0: oh he absolutely did
1: you think so he I, was just waiting for that day absolutely when Borden snuck down there to try and figure it out
0: well because he entices him with the 100 shows Like, why is he only doing 100 shows? Like, what is so important? Why is it so special? And when you're in that kind of rivalry, you can't help but want to figure out what's going on. So he's very obviously going to go to a show. And then he's going to go to another one and another one until he gets up the courage to go backstage.
1: So that's the plan the whole time.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm saying. This whole thing is just a revenge plot to get Borden in jail right and it's 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 just fantastic to me it the the way that it just lays itself out like that and comes full circle you know and the person that i also feel really really sorry for through all of this is cutter yeah he is unwittingly involved with these two magicians i mean unwittingly involved in so far as what's actually happening below the surface right
1: he doesn't know that about uh borden's twin Right. And he doesn't know about the machine. Yeah. So he's basically watching these two men that he loves mm-hmm. kill each other in horrible ways that it haven't even been, you know, thought up by science yet. Yeah. And... He, doesn't, he has no clue until the end.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're coming to the point where Borden's about to be executed. And there's th- throughout the whole movie, you hear of this Lord Cordlow who wants to buy his tricks. And he wants to take his daughter, Jess, under his wing to be his ward. Um, you know, all of these things that are happening. And you don't really know who this person is. You just know that he is a collector. And he wants to buy the tricks and buy all the machines and everything like that. So... We're coming to the end, and they say that Lord Cordlow is there to visit with his daughter one last time. It is revealed that it is actually Angier. Robert Angier is actually Lord Cordlow, and he's always been Lord Cordlow, but he was playing Robert Angier as a character.
1: But ha ha, he's got a mustache. <laughs> 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 it's just me and a mustache. Ha. <laughs>
0: It was. I gotcha.
1: That's the prestige.
0: (laughs) All those fucking mustaches were the prestige. (laughs) Him with his bat stash. (laughs) like, Like, it's just, it's so funny to me because. I guess as an audience member, I'm sitting there going, how could you not know that that was him? Right. Facial hair is not going to hide the fact that it is Robert Angier. Like, S- really. Same
1: thing with Borden.
0: Well, with Fallon, he had the full, like, man chops going on, but he also had the stuff in his cheeks and the glasses. They
1: did a better job of... Yes. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. With, with Angier, though, like, all he does is...
1: He has a beard. Ha- he has an he accent. Has a mustache.
0: And a mustache. Like... I don't know. It's just so painfully
1: obvious. And they even address this in that scene. Uh, Borden says, that's the guy that I killed. That I'm supposed to have killed.
0: He's alive.
1: How did he not get a a call from the governor after that? I mean, well,
0: because they think Borden's a liar, Borden's a liar and a murderer. And you're not going to believe this guy. I mean, but think about it. If you live a life that is all misdirection and deception, Nobody is going to believe a word that you say.
1: I suppose that's true.
0: I mean, you're you are living a lie every single day of your life. So for somebody to go, oh, hold on a second. Let's stop that that man in the in the the nice mustache and top hat and interview him like they think that, that Borden's crazy and that he's just trying to get out of getting hanged. Yeah. And there's probably know?
1: no one in the jail that gives a fuck about that anyways. They're no. just like, whatever. Well, they they make
0: fun of him for being a magician. They're like, ha ha. You know. You're
1: going to pull out a rubber ball. Your magic like tricks that.
0: can get you out of jail. Ha ha ha. But Lord Cordlow has finally gotten his revenge. He's put him pretty in, good. He's <laughs> put him in jail. He's taken his daughter and he's gotten his secret trick dun 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 so they're going to hang alfred and you know there's there's several things happening at the same time they're going to hang alfred um and then cutter is going to personally taking the tricks to lord cordlo so he can kind of plead with him to destroy the machine um to right. and see maybe if he can buy the tricks back himself they hang alfred you know he does his abracadabra and right. then they hang him
1: very dramatic love that
0: yeah, and then Cutter goes to um, Lord Cordlo's house, and he realizes that it's Angier. Right. Which, you know, he realizes it, but I don't understand why nobody else realizes it. I guess maybe because Cutter was around him more often. Like, he knew what he looked like more than anyone else, but...
1: Yeah. I don't
0: know. I'm not fooled by your bloody mustache. Take that, <laughs> take that off right now.
1: That's perfect. <laughs>
0: um anyway so cutter is cutter finds out that angier is actually lord cordlow and he's very um very obviously hurt right because he was part of the trick and if anybody should have been left out of the deception it was cutter because cutter was so incredibly loyal to robert i mean through being shot and Dealing with all of the secrecy and the lies, like it just like there was so much that Cutter was involved in, and uh, Robert took advantage of that because he knew that Cutter was so loyal.
1: And you know that Blue is fucking mine. because he right? saw him on a he saw him on a bloody slab. Yeah, you know
0: how are he you standing know... right there in front of me right now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> sounded like Michael Caine was your teletext <laughs> operator.
0: So then we see. Cutter helping Lord Cordlow or Angie or whoever he is take all of his tricks to the abandoned theater and he basically does this really clever and uh, elegant fuck you to Robert he's basically like remember that story I told you about the sailor um, and how you know he almost drowned and it felt like he was going home and he was like yeah I lied. It was agony. And it was awful. It was painful, and I mean, it was it was just pure agony. Um, and so then he just walks away, and it's just like a big finger to him, like, dude, I cannot believe how evil you are. At this point in time, I I feel like maybe maybe Robert's the villain in this. I mean, quote unquote villain. They're I really both do.
1: Really terrible. Yeah, I just. I can't. I cannot pick a villain here i can't i mean the dude basically let his brother die over this whole thing you know that's pretty terrible but what
0: was he supposed to do i mean one or the other was going to get caught and one or the other had to die i mean that's just that's not something that i think he had control over
1: no, but I mean... Because it
0: was just luck that happened to be one of the brothers that got caught down there.
1: I guess you're right. It could have been either of them. Yeah. And there wasn't shit you could do after he got caught. Well, okay. So one,
0: we'll of, take it back. one of them had to die. Um, so for me, me personally, I feel like Lord Cordlow is the villain here. Because he had the deception for the longest, I feel like. Because he made himself a character as Robert Angier, which... He married Julia as... Right. He didn't marry her as Lord Cordlow. He married her as Robert Angier. Um, He kept up this hugely um, vast and complicated deception through the whole thing. And I mean, Alfred did too. Alfred, Alfred and Fallon did too. But I feel like for Angier, there's just a lot more... There's just a lot more that goes into it, I feel like. Right. And by the end... You see all the bodies in the tanks, and you're going, yeah, you're a bad dude.
1: Yeah. That's I It's mean, pretty awful.
0: Yeah, it's, it's himself, which... Uh, murdering yourself, I don't know how you would classify that, really. It's
1: just a homicide, right? Yeah. You're just killing somebody. It ain't no I, different. Uh, no, I no. mean, obviously, the circumstances are a bit complicated, but it's murder. Yeah. It's murder. But if you're setting yourself up for a trap that you are volunteering to go into...
0: That's it, a self-assisted suicide, <laughs> assisted suicide. It's assisted
1: suicide. That's what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then Fallon comes in and shoots Angier, and he's good gracious! I've been shot
1: right through the heart. He shoots. Yeah. Him. Well, but, I but think that it gives was... him a good five minutes of monologuing time. So yeah, that's fantastic.
0: Which is, I. Uh, it's a very, it's a very good final monologue because. You know, we, everything is revealed. This is the prestige of the movie. We're starting to see how everything unfolded. The twins, everything that happened with each of the lovers, like the whole story is, is unveiled. And I love his monologue at the end because he's talking about how the reason they do it is for the look on the audience's face. As somebody who creates something, we both do, you know, we both shoot film and do podcasts and we have a bunch of things that we do yeah we do it because we love it and for our own entertainment but at the same time we are hoping to entertain someone else yes and we want to see their reaction we want to hear how much they like it I feel like it is Christopher Nolan just reaching out and being like yeah this is this is really why I do it yeah because I want to see how it inspires you I want to see the look on your face when you are fooled or when you are uh, reacting to the plot twist or whatever it is you know so then everything wraps up we're back at the beginning where where cutter is entertaining now we know is Alfred's daughter right or Fallon's daughter whoever Doesn't matter anyway Al Fallon <laughs> <laughs> Alfred
1: <laughs> Alfred. I love that.
0: Um, Falfred's daughter. <laughs> anyway, so he's entertaining her with this magic trick while they're waiting for him to come back. And Fallon walks through the door and he, he grabs up Jess and he gives a thankful nod to Cutter. I mean, I guess I know why, um, Cutter chose sides.
1: Borden was brutalized through this whole thing.
0: You know, he. They both were, though. And that's why I'm curious as to why Cutter chose sides. Like, why didn't he just, like, cut ties and be like.
1: There's a more psychological aspect to the shit that Angier was doing to Borden. I mean, he put his brother in jail, was threatening to take his daughter away. You know, Mm -hmm. that's way worse than breaking a guy's legs. He didn't kill his wife on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what kicked off this whole rivalry, was he killed his wife on accident. Yeah. I could totally see why Cutter would side with Borden on this, because Borden is is an asshole i mean he's a revenge seeking spiteful dickhead yeah but Angiers like breaking the fabric of space and time just to fuck this guy's day up (laughs) you know what i mean so Uh, true i mean that's a that's some next level ass hattery (laughs) so i get it It, yeah you know the only thing that borden has to lose Mm -hmm. is his daughter so just give him his daughter back You know, I mean, what else is he going to do? Let Angier take off with Borden's daughter? No, that's he's not going to allow that shit.
0: That answers my question. And I feel like that that would I probably would feel the same way is I'd be like, wow. Angier was actually this horrifying monster and I'm going to help Borden get his daughter back. One last thing that I can do for this person that I pretty much shunned. After everything that happened with Julia and the Knot, yeah, he pretty much just shunned him. And Borden kind of becomes the villain for most of the movie, you know, in a way that's kind of fair because he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. I mean, they both were. And that's that's the ultimate thing at the end is that they both were just really horrible people. Right.
1: I, I don't <laughs> think that either one is worse than the other, but I definitely no. think that Borden had a much shittier life than Angier. Oh,
0: so course. I'm kind of
1: glad that he got his daughter back. But they're both assholes.
0: Anyway, so that was The Prestige.
1: Yeah, great movie. It's um, a great movie. Beautiful. Every every shot was gorgeous. The yeah. cinematography is some of the best.
0: He does really well with period pieces. Yeah. I feel like that's where he shines. Yeah. Um, he He really nails all the details, the costumes, the lighting, the... You know, just how everything looks, it just is very convincing.
1: You know, they only built one set for that movie. Really? I think it was the theater. Uh, Everything else was done in, you know, modern buildings in Los Angeles. That's cool. Yeah. They, They just, it's all set dressing it's cool yeah that they did a great job you have
0: a talented team of people to be able to do that for yeah. you because it takes a lot to have to take over like an entire hotel suite to make it look like you know the 1800s right it, i mean it's that's not an easy thing yeah. um but yeah yeah again this is one of those movies where i can watch it multiple times a year and i don't get tired of it and i like i like the analyzing that goes with it and it's it's not it's not a mystery anymore, but it's just very interesting to try and get into the mind of um, a writer like that. And and again, as an actress, I I really hope that one day I have the honor of being able to recite words like that, whether it's Christopher Nolan or someone yeah. else. Great, because damn. there are
1: some amazing lines in this film.
0: Yes, I mean, really, yeah. uh, they brilliant. gave
1: they, pretty much every word out of Michael Caine's mouth was fantastic. <laughs> christopher and jonathan nolan wrote the screenplay together yeah i'd kind of like to know what the dynamic is in their writing like christopher nolan i don't know i mean you watch the dark knight movies and he doesn't seem to be just the most thorough person when it comes to character development but Mm -hmm. in this movie the character development was the whole movie yeah i mean it was very it was a character study so Well, I I wonder if that's more the Jonathan Nolan side of things.
0: Yeah. And I think you would kind of have to know who you're working with to be able to give them because you have to trust them to be able to deliver the lines in the way that they do. But that's why he has such phenomenal casts, because he knows that his words are not going to be lost on somebody who is terrible, you know, a terrible actress or somebody who doesn't bring forth the vision that you have.
1: Watching his progression as a director has been really cool. He has gotten better and better. I mean, Memento was good. Memento was very well done, but he's come a long way.
0: Well, and I will say this, and I don't think that funding makes you a better director, but it doesn't hurt It didn't hurt
1: with him. No. When you have
0: the resources and the funding and the people who actually, like the networking, I mean, you can do some pretty amazing things. But yeah, so I, you know, I, I would highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, you know, I absolutely. would give it.
1: Go see everything Christopher Nolan's ever made. They're all good, all uh, of them.
0: I'll give it eight top hats out of ten. You can uh, find us. We're at D Fire Cinema on Twitter. Um, we're also in Dumpster Fire Cinema on the Facebook page.
1: Oh, tell them about the Patreon so they can oh, give us some fucking money.
0: Right. Okay. So we actually have a Patreon page. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna post that on our Twitter. As soon as we get done with this, I'm going to post it on our Facebook. I'm going to post it everywhere. Um, this is a place where you can donate a specific amount of money every month. This all helps your money. This helps us with funding for merchandise. It helps us with funding for better episodes. It helps us with funding for our other projects that we're doing. So none of this money actually goes into our pockets. It would go towards you know doing Drugs. more of this.
1: <laughs> so give us all your money, guys. Just all of it. We have done a Patreon exclusive. Uh, episode yeah it's really good
0: and we're going to be doing more uh exclusive stuff just for the patreon you know there are going to be some episodes that i plan to do solo um there's actually going to be some reward tiers where i do covers for people um video covers not just me singing and you listening to me but actual video covers um so we're we're still coming up with the reward system it's you know it's hard to sit there and go Oh God! What am I going to give somebody who's paying twenty five dollars a month? Like, God. Um, So the answer
1: is a foot massage. Jordan will come give you a foot massage. No, Jordan will not. For twenty five dollars, for twenty five dollars, I will ecstatically moan your name. (laughs) It'll it'll be sexy. It's worth it. It's worth it. Twenty five bucks.
0: So we're going to put the links out on all of the social media pages that we have. Um, We're also. You know we're also on blog talk radio under the astro panda family um you know we're extending that family far and wide with all of our friends doing their own podcasts and it's very exciting so definitely check them out i mean there are a ton of fun podcasts on that website um that's blog talk radio slash dumpster fire cinema
1: Yep. Yep. And uh, you also got to check out Queens of the Millennial Age.
0: Yeah, that's my, that is my, I guess it would technically be my third podcast. Uh, Me and my friend Linda, we basically just talk about life, love, and the pursuit of all things fabulous. So check that out. I contribute to Very Dark Very Quick as Lady Glitter Sparkles, but Aaron is, um, that is another main one for Aaron. He is a co-host. Yeah. Yeah. very dark very quick very dark very quick which is um phenomenally funny it's very strange it gets
1: kind of a variety show type thing
0: it gets very dark very quick
1: it's true michael (laughs) kane also check out volk v-o-l-k with the uh, the exclamation point i'm not even gonna try and describe it just listen to it yeah i mean you won't even fucking believe it
0: yeah it's the ramblings of
1: we don't know. We don't know this guy. I, I don't either. <laughs> we, now this is our friend Volk. He's interesting. Listen to him.
0: Very interesting, for sure. But I have a, I have a commission for you guys, as they say in the, in the Church of Christ, a commission for you to go on with. Um, first of all, finish the fucking episodes, guys. <laughs> I see so many of you just dropping us off after the first couple of minutes. I love you guys, but finish the episode. Also, they're
1: not going to hear that. If they're the kind of people that don't finish episodes, they didn't get to this point. Well, maybe
0: the people who actually do finish the episodes will tell their friends, hey, finish the fucking episode. It's great. It's hilarious.
1: So we appeal to you guys. Tell your friends, finish the fucking episode.
0: Podcasting is kind of one of those things where it's a half social media, half word of mouth kind of thing. So, you know, if you are really big into podcasts, uh, share, subscribe, and rate. Um, So, yeah, show your support that way.
1: Please do that. Even After if you, you give us your money,
0: well, what I was going to say was, is if you can't afford to give money every month,
1: then we don't want you as a listener. <gasps> he's is what lying. Jordan was going to say. No, that's not. what I, I was going was say. to say you should still listen, and you don't have to give us money, but you should give. You us You
0: don't money. have to give us money. You can still show your support by um, subscribing and rating and reviewing. That shows just as much Get love as money. Fuck you, bum!
1: To <laughs> <laughs> so go back to your cardboard house. <laughs> Get the fuck off my podcast!
0: Get the fuck off my podcast! Go back to your cardboard house, your bloody cardboard house. <laughs> I, I kind of sound like it's... a, I sound like a British JFK. Uh,
1: thanks, guys. We yes, love you.
0: Thank you for listening. Thank you for
1: listening to Bemster Fire
0: Cinema. Be sure to tell your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. <laughs> Every great magic trick consists of three parts or acts. The first part is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary. deck of cards, a bird, or a man. He shows you this object, this bloody object. Perhaps he asks you to inspect it to see if it is indeed real. Unaltered. Normal. But of course... It probably isn't. The second act is called The Turn. The magician takes the ordinary something and makes it do something extraordinary. Now, you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it. Because, of course, you're not really looking for it. You don't want to know. You want to be fooled. But But you wouldn't clap yet. Because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. That's why every magic trick has a third act—the hardest part, the part we call the bloody prestige. Get the fuck out of my face! <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. I'm here. Very
1: all good. That was fantastic.